I'm Nick Filardi. I'm Jason Thielbar. Welcome to the world's second finest podcast. Today we're talking about The Batman Adventures, issue six, which came out February 2nd, 1993. It has dropped the team of writers from the previous issue. Martin Pascoe is now absent. It is solely written by series regular Kelly Puckett. Penciler, inker, colorist, letterer, and editor remain constant. Rod Rader doing pencils. Rick Burchett uh, doing inks. Colored by Rick Taylor. Lettered by Tim Harkins. Edits by Scott Peterson. This was a really interesting mystery one shot that honestly I could have spent a full arc in. Uh, it was a really great issue. I can't wait to get to it. Uh, I know you were also pretty excited about this issue. Oh, completely, completely. Loved uh, it. But, Loved everything about but before it. We, before we get to it, Detective Comics got back on track. It shipped two issues in the last four weeks. So we have... Detective 656 and Detective 657. Detective 656 hit stands with an awesome Sam Keith cover. I think one of his better ones uh, has Batman uh, just being out in the street in front of a police department with a hail of gunfire. It's like bullets everywhere. It's such a great Sam Keith cover. Uh, It's written by Chuck Uh. Dixon with Tom Mandrake on pencils. It wraps up the besieged arc, which features the general, an 11-year-old tactician that united the gangs of Gotham in order to conquer the city itself. The general moves the gangs to take Gotham's 43rd precinct. It's an all-out assault on a police station for which they uh, fight back but are not ultimately equipped for. The police end up like kind of conceding lines of defense within the station. They need a lot of help. But they can't get it because the general has cut off all outside communication. Batman shows up to help the police. He is in like full intimidation mode, just like mowing down punks and like spooking the hell out of them. He does not end up hitting the 11 year old general, unfortunately, like we were rooting for on the pod. We were really excited for Batman to hit a child. (laughs) That does not. Fuck you, comics code. Fuck you, comics code. (laughs) God damn it. I I was hoping that, like, because this is 1993 and, like, comics doesn't really have all the eyes and scrutiny on it that it does now in this, like, Twitter-verse modern era, that, like, Mm, maybe, maybe Batman would hit this kid. Maybe. Just one one good punch, lay him out. But uh, it did not seem to happen. Yeah, but um, they, they still had corporal punishment in some American schools at that time. You know, yeah, so like exactly, exactly. That, I was that would have been out of yeah. yeah I was it hopeful been so, for the like, violence, Jason. <laughs> yeah, would, it wouldn't have been so out of pocket. So uh, yeah, Batman helps to uh, shows up to help the police. He just kind of like subdues the general. The general bait and switches him. He's like, "Oh, I'm scared. I'm scared," and they stabs Batman. Batman uh, just rolls with the stabbing and eventually uh, tracks him down on the roof and subdues him with like kind of just like a hold maneuver where he just kind of bends his wrist back and is like, you're an 11 year old. Cut it out. But he's like, I'm, we're going to try you for capital punishment. You know, like we're going to try you as an adult. Takes him in. Uh, whatever. Yeah. It is what it is. However, the end of the issue features uh, Bird, one of Bane's henchmen who has like a raven that he like, I guess, sees through or he's just he's just a falconer. I don't know. 
Anyway, no, he's he's clearly descended from one of the Starks. Okay, you know everyone right. knows that the Starks right. historically, that real family historically that very real can family. warg, yes. <laughs> can warg into animals. And we all know that warging into animals is not a silly word, and it's a thing that anybody can do. Like, come on, man. Sure, like, that's, yes. that was yes. like the most realistic part of the book. So, come on. Bird reports to Bane about what Batman's doing. Bane wants Batman to fight real enemies instead of quote-unquote gutter trash if he's going to learn anything about Batman. The issue closes with a nuclear family getting the word that their son, the general, has been apprehended. It's like an idyllic American like white picket fence fantasy. The little girl... The little girl wistfully pines for him to get the electric chair, closes with the dad saying, we can only hope. (laughs) Yeah, which like, God, yeah. Oh, no, can't show Batman hitting an 11 year old, but we can show a father hoping that his son gets fucking electrocuted to death. Like, Jesus. So, Jason, I we kind of got into this because uh, Chuck Dixon wrote Robin three. Yeah. And since then. Uh, we briefly chatted about how Chuck Dixon is heavy into the Second Amendment. Um, his politics are not my own, to say, to put it lightly. He's he's very like right wing. Like it's yeah. It's, I mean, safe to say, not either of yeah. our politics. Yeah, run of the mill conservative shit, really. Honestly, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I was thinking about Chuck Dixon books in general. And like looking through it through this lens. So I really liked Detective 656. I thought it was a great issue. The uh, police characters like trying to like hold the police station. I thought it was just really it was just really fun. Uh, A lot of it, a lot of it like driven through. However, I could not shake like the Chuck Dixon right wing like the the gang members all felt like violent bloodthirsty characterless people and all the cops felt like tough guys who like had actual character and meat and substance to them and i don't know if that's like chuck dixon's like bias kind of coming through or not but i mean you mentioned too when we were talking about it when we were talking about robin three and i I think this might have got cut was that he mentioned on npr that he will just write whatever like he's written superman talking about anti-gun speeches and stuff yeah and uh, yeah i think no it's, I, i'm pretty sure you left that in of how like yeah because yeah, when i was just talking about how like chuck Dixon, it it seems like and he had said and you can look at his like history too but it just seems like he's just he doesn't mind being a hired gun you know like he's not yeah, going to like right like like he, like he knows his job despite his politics is to be a writer and so he's not going to like be right. like, oh, I'm going to have Matt Murdock have like a tirade about like why, you know, uh, why the capital gains tax is evil or some, you know, thing. Yeah. 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 So so like he, he's a, he's at the very least like Chuck Dixon is at the very least like a professional where he's like, OK, well, this is right. the job. Like, right. You know, yeah. Batman hates guns, so I'm going to be like, yeah, Batman doesn't like guns, of course. Like The thing you know. is, is like with Chuck and his writing and him being like a professional and kind of like trying to write what the characters call for, mm. I feel like it kind of like nerfs his writing in such a way where like there, he has no skin in the game with anything, you know? 
And yeah, so yeah, because of that, I was I was asking for like what Chuck Dixon's like best work is in like another Discord that I was chatting with a bunch of other comic people, and they were like, oh, probably his John Romita Jr. Punisher War Journal or War Zone, um, which you had brought up too. You were like, probably yeah. this is his best stuff because it's like closest to his wheelhouse. Like the Punisher fits with his brand of politics. Yeah, 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 exactly, and especially that like. The Punisher is like a best example of the God, this is going to sound so fucking pretentious, but I can't think of a better way to put this. Get it. But the Punisher, the Punisher is like a distillization of the entire like vigilante trope. But like it because it walks up almost close to the line of what a vigilante would really be like, which is like just chaos and deciding like yeah these people should die and just spraying bullets but like if the punisher was real his body count would be so much higher and there'd be so many like just bystanders that have nothing to do with anything that would have gotten mowed down because like that's why you know it turns out it should be, it'd be a bad fucking job you know or bad thing to do yeah. but i think that that's something though that, that i think that's another component and like probably where yeah where chuck dixon does feel more more comfortable because there is that comfort in well, Frank Castle might be uh, brutal, but he's only brutal against the people who deserve it. And we already know right. they deserve it. And so here's where the justice is. And so, like, now I don't have to worry about any kind of, like, moral quandary of, you know, oh, why is this person in a gang? Like, why are they living in this neighborhood? Or why, you know, whereas sure. that is just written as, like, like you said, like just like meathead, like oh, I'm a gang member, and you know I'm I'm doing gang stuff because gang, 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 <laughs> you know, and and Punisher is like, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna murder this man who who polluted the the river and and killed like a whole family and gave the town cancer. I'm gonna I'm gonna take him right. down and oh wait, the mafia is here too. I'm gonna kill them too. So it's just a bit. It's a bit easier and like, yeah, you're right. He was probably just feels much more comfortable, you know, right. and and, right. and everything feels much more uh, real, too, because yeah. like he's he's, he's making me he's making meteor uh, more solid characters. When we were reading these detective issues, it felt like this issue was in his wheelhouse being like gangs versus police officers. And it felt really good. It felt like a good issue. Um, yeah, but the previous issues I wasn't really into, and I think it was because it was just gangs talking to each other, and I don't think like Chuck Dixon like knows how to write that. Basically, like he did the best he could, but I was like, yeah, because that kind of stuff he doesn't—they're not like fully realized characters, and he's trying to not make them fully realized characters almost that it like never really clicked for me. And then when it was like, oh, the scary gang members are attacking the virtuous police uh, district or precinct, then it was like, oh, Chuck's like more in his element. And it like kind of clicked together a little yeah. better. Um, yeah, I think I, I think we, I think there's also, though, a and I'm going to mention someone who you've uh, worked with quite a bit throughout your career. But like uh, for for to be a little more fair too to just uh chuck dixon or anybody else writing kind of crime-centric comics at that time sure. like 
none of them and maybe this was the uh because he sort of played it more safe like you know like he said oh he's just a hired like we said he's oh he's i hired him yeah. to do the job and sure but a i don't want to like make thing, too many waves and a big thing with dc at the time too at, in this 90s era was like they just want the trains to run on time they want the books to come out like yeah they're they're really leaning into maybe not like the flashiest people but like the most consistent people and that goes for writing and art really yeah volume and then we'll worry about quality after we're just going to yeah, fill the, right pack the stands with as much as we can yeah cuz like i remember um cuz well, when did I, when did i first read bendis i remember reading about uh i remember reading a couple of good reviews for uh, aka goldfish and yeah. I was like, and I was like, all right, like, I'll check this out. And like, and I was able to get a copy of that. And I think the first time they collected Jinx. Yeah. But mm -hmm. what made what's always made Bendis like, or at least his like prime thing where he really makes his home is dialogue. And that yeah. was a really hard thing to do to figure out how to get that like kind of like crime uh, David Mamet. You know, obviously he's a huge right. Mammoth fan, clearly, right. like how to get that snappy kind of dialogue. And uh, I don't think up until that point, enough comic book writers had either thought of it or were confident enough to try it out. And because he was self-published at first, I think that like, you know, he, he probably just thought like, well, nobody else but me is really telling me if, the, you know, I'm going to take this shot because like. I'm not going to fire myself right. from my own book for, for yeah, taking think, a risk or something like, I think that's a really good point. Like I think Bendis became very popular because he was writing both sides with like equal weight, like criminals yeah. and law enforcement. And we don't get any of that here in detective at all. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and it's stiff. Like I remember reading once that like someone's uh, best advice they ever gave about writing just even passable dialogue is, write down two characters talking and then say it out loud yourself, like both sides yeah. and try to yeah. say it with sincerity. And if it doesn't sound right while you're saying it, then likely it's not going to sound right in somebody else's head when they're reading yeah. it, you know, um, and that makes so much sense. Let me, let me ask you this. I don't think there's a right answer to this. When a writer or an artist has uh, politics that you don't necessarily agree with, does it affect your ability to enjoy what they're doing? I think it depends on I think it depends on kind of how far they really bring it. OK, I should put it this way. Like what kind of um, like what kind of insane conservative are they? Like are, are they just the like <laughs> are they just the standard issue like standard issue like uh, Reaganite like. Yeah, yeah. Shane and I talk about this all the time. Like there's I, I really like don't really have uh, any beef with with conservatives who are like the government should we should be more fiscally responsible like that's a conversation I can have with someone but when you start to be like Democrats are running sex rings in pizza parlors I'm like well whoa, whoa whoa buddy <laughs> like you are you have yeah. lost the thread <laughs> it definitely is a spectrum and I have had like there's some artists from like whether it's like shit that they did that's come out yeah. that they did it or just there. I just my my view of it is I'm OK with leaving you alone. You know, there's plenty of other things to check out. Right. That's there's plenty that's of other my great opinion, stuff, too. It's you know? like yeah. it's tough. It's tough for me to justify like I'm going to power through this to enjoy this 
piece of media. Yeah. I'm going to try to tune out the voice of my brain that's that's going Chuck Dixon is a is a second amendment guy while I read like about gangs stealing guns in this like police precinct. I'm going to try to tune that out and power through. I'm like I would rather not tune anything out and just enjoy the thing that I'm reading. And there's so much yeah. now compared to 1992. There's so much out there to read and to enjoy that I'm like, you know what? If I start to like butt heads with a with a, a set of politics with an artist or a writer or whatever, then I'm just like, you know what? I'm okay. Like put me on the shelf and that's it. Like leaving you alone. Yeah. On that note, Detective Comics 657 also shipped. It is our second book of this podcast, so we should probably get to it. Um, <laughs> Sorry. It, it, it shipped with uh, Kelly Jones on covers for the first time. Kelly Jones, just so good. So, so I... good. If anyone's unfamiliar with Kelly Jones's work, you should definitely check it out. Definitely read his Dead Man stuff, because that stuff is so good. I cannot remember the last time, other than that book, how quickly when I was at Sarge's, uh, Sarge's comic book shop, New London, Connecticut, um, <laughs> how quickly I just saw it and was like, grabbed it, put it under my arm and like, well, I'm definitely buying this. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. Dude, his dead man stuff. It's it's so like, I don't know if you've recently read it, but like the first issue kind of like is very comics of the time. And then it was like the second issue is just wheels off the wagon. He's just doing whatever he wants. It turns into an incredibly gothic, like very strange story. It's so good. It, and it's yeah. far and beyond what people uh, were making at the time and what people have made sense with dead man. I feel like DC can't really figure out how to make good dead man stuff. Even when they try to make it gothic, it doesn't quite hit the same I think Kelly Jones is just lightning in a bottle with that character. Um, at any yeah, rate, we're yeah, not here to totally. talk about Dead Man. Detective Comics 67, also written by Chuck Dixon, penciled by Michael Netzer, uh, who has the pencil for 654 and 655 that we talked about before. I speculated he might have had some uh, like scheduling conflicts because he penciled a really great 654 and a really medium 655 and I kind of figured 657 would be maybe a little better. And it is a little better than 655, but it's still not as good as 654. I don't know what's going on with him. I don't know if he's just like crumbling under deadlines. I think this is the last we hear of him in the regular DC continuity. Like, like we said before, DC wants the trains to run on time. I don't know if uh, Michael couldn't quite get the trains to run on time. I don't know. Um, yeah, it's a tough... It's a tough gig to have three, com even just pencils, like what have, uh, right. what, what is it, uh, 24 completely penciled pages and then enough time for corrections and, you know. Not only that, but you also have to figure this is 1992. He's taking the penciled pages and putting them in the mail to, to get to oh, somewhere. Yeah. So it's not yeah, like so we're getting have that instant extra email. Couple days. Yeah. yeah. Uh, just mailing the 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 boards to the inker and the inker mailing in the boards to dc like that's an extra week right there like you really have to be on top of that um so yeah definitely difficult to do at any rate this issue uh 
features, I assume, Hugo Strange. I think it's Hugo Strange. They never say who it is, uh, but it, it is a therapist with round glasses, so I assume it's Strange. He's hypnotizing CEOs of companies into seemingly committing suicide. He is, quote-unquote, collecting their secrets. Uh, Lucius Fox is the third CEO on his list of three. Uh, we also learned that Wayne Tech is creating some sort of piece of tech and that it goes with two other pieces from other companies. They're trying to like keep their secrets by like hiring three companies to work on three different parts of the same project. I assume this ties into Hugo Strange making CEOs commit suicide. It's very convoluted and weird, but we're rolling with it. Um, yeah. There's also a uh, B story of uh, Asriel and Robin working security at Wayne Tower again, and they catch some thieves that are cutting a safe out with a chainsaw. Asriel takes it almost too far, almost killing a guy. Robin stops him. It's the same song and dance. Asriel is a menace. Batman is so tired. I don't know. <laughs> That's, that, <laughs> the, these are the comics that we have. What did you think of the Detective 657? From my notes, I wrote, uh, let's see, and it's just a paragraph. So let me just, I'm just going to read up. I'm just going to read off my notes. Yeah, yeah. I wrote, hit me. I wrote, detective, detective, holy shit, detective. The run up to Nightfall is insane. The art is insane. The story is insane. The art is so 90s. I don't know if I'm actually going to be sucked back into that godforsaken decade or not. It's just so much work for not a lot of effect in the art, you know, which is a very 90s thing, you know, but I do have. But I do have fond memories of being like, you know, 13 and 14 and being like, well, if I add uh, if I fill up all the space and if I add as many lines as possible, then it will make up for my lack of actual skill. And like it'll be more detailed and look more professional as at least Mm -hmm. was like my idea of that. And that's something that I I just kind of had a hard time uh, uh, separating out, you know, because the art was just like Jack Riddler was so like oh we haven't we haven't gotten into jack riddler yet that's batman 490 we can talk oh, about shit. that now if you want if you want yeah yeah let's get into that yeah because 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 all 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 of them were were kind of were, were very of the decade. of the time for sure yeah yeah uh, i have a feeling most of these are gonna be like that <laughs> a lot of the a lot of these issues too feel like they're serving the purpose of setting up uh nightfall So there's not really a lot to talk about in them, you know, like the art is generally okay. The story is generally, yeah, passable. The the story is generally okay. It's just like, it's there. It's serving up nightfall. I can't wait till we get to nightfall. We've got another, we've got another month of this. Like, let's just tough it out. Yeah. It's akin to like, I talk all the time about like in sports and I'm a big football and basketball fan that like, Mm -hmm. if you're good enough to even be on an NBA team and like come off the bench, you know, on an NBA team, like you're in the top 1%, like you're, you are like a fraction of a percent at the top. Yes, exactly. And and so like, if you're good enough to like, you know, write and draw for these, for the big publishers, even if it's not like the best that they're, it's like that, Hey, that's still what that's so hard yeah. to do that's i don't want so i don't want to undercut i don't want to undercut anyone's ability i think that yeah these issues yeah. are just suffering from the fact that like we know nightfall is about to happen and we're not there yet 
So we're in existing in this like, I don't know, purgatory of like, well, we can't really start anything yet. We can't really do anything big because that's about to happen. So we're just going to put the issue on the stand, basically. Um, yeah, we're like, let's get into we're like waiting let's, in line. Right. Let's talk about Jack yeah. Riddler. Uh, Batman 490, <laughs> also on the stands. Jim Aparo on art. Doug Munch writing. Kicks off with Batman getting his whole shit together, finally. And telling Azrael and Robin they got the night off. First, he's like, Azrael, get out of here. I'm going to be Batman for tonight. And then Robin's like, yes, we're back. And then he's like, also, Robin, fuck off. And Robin's like, oh, beans. And then uh, <laughs> he talks to, he talks to Gordon, who's got the, the uh, you know, the I forgot what it's called. The bat light. The, I wanted to call it the bat light. Bat signal. It's got the bat signal. Damn it. <laughs> I, I wasn't going to say anything. I wanted to run with whatever you came out with. That I'll wasn't get there bat eventually. signal. I was I'll ready to yes eventually. and... Okay. The Bat Nightlight is on, and uh, <laughs> Batman Batman shows up. Gordon's there. He's got a riddle. It's a seemingly straightforward Riddler story. The first r- riddle is quote What crowns just one, but beats a dozen? Bim bam boom, some percussion. End quote. Which this riddle's bullshit, by the way. This riddle is bullshit because you need to know the location of the clock tower in Gotham, the address of it in order to understand this riddle. So this riddle is like, it's not for you and I reading this book. It is for Batman specifically to figure out. And I'm like, the fun of the riddle is to figure out the riddle. I was like, why are we here, Jason? Why are we here? Anyway. Well, and, and, and the only clock tower in Gotham. Right. Yeah, of course. It, it, in a major city. Yes. It's only yes. got one fucking clock tower. One, That's one it. Clock All, tower. It, uh so batman drives around until he solves it he goes to the clock tower at number one gotham plaza riddler is setting up charges before batman arrives but wait a minute maybe it's not a straightforward riddler story because bane shows up bane has figured out like what the riddle is because he's had his boys spying on gordon he figures out the riddle before batman does because batman's tired he's so tired and then Bane decides he's going to make Riddler a more formidable adversary in order to test Batman. So he's got this like dart Gatling gun and he just like shoots up Riddler with a ton of venom. And so we get jacked Riddler. Uh, Batman shows up. He he's like, oh, I'm going to fight the Riddler and I'm just going to like whisper at him and he'll fall over. That does not happen. Riddler like handing it to batman just powering through punches because he's all jacked up on venom uh riddler's all pumped up batman stops the clock tower from exploding via this convoluted like if i batarang the the or grappling hook the bells to keep them from ringing and then i can knock over the the c4 and it's just ridiculous uh riddler gets out of there thinking the clock tower is going to explode so he just runs eventually a second riddle comes in. It is, quote, it rises when it's low. Side side poison chaining bottom to top it will go. Which is just gibberish. I'm like, I don't I don't know what we can't solve this riddle. I, I don't. And then like Batman's like, oh, this one's easy. And I'm like, what is happening in this book? Kids wicked smart. Jack Riddler is like high on venom and he's just putting words down. I don't know. Anyway, so. 
the Jack Riddler's plan is to uh, uh, tie a bag of poison that will dissolve on a uh, measure and like a measuring stick that measures the tide. And then when the tide yeah. comes in, the the poison will dissolve into the water and then it will destroy the food chain by killing X amount of sea life. And then what that sea life feeds on, it is incredibly convoluted. I think Jack Riddler is dumb as a brick. <laughs> I'm going to say that. I just thought it was like, honest to God, I just thought it, it was just a plot stolen from the old Adam West TV show. It feels like it's, that for sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's it's, like, it's just really, really silly. But Bane decides he's like, I've solved the riddle, the riddle. Batman solves the riddle. Can my goons solve the riddle? If they don't solve it, I'll murder all of them. Batman shows up to fight Jack Riddler in, in, on the coastline there. They're fighting in the water. Uh, he's trying to, you know, stop them from the poisoning from happening. Um, the goons show up and they're like, hey, we also figured it out. And, and they decide they're going to just gun down the Riddler <laughs> for no reason. I don't I don't know why. So they shoot and seemingly murder the Riddler in front of Batman. They get away. Batman, you know, keeps Gotham Bay or Ocean or wherever this is uh, from being poisoned. Uh, the great Gotham Lake. Then, yeah, yeah. Go- the Gotham Lake, whatever. It's fine. Don't don't think about it. Uh, <laughs> Bane, Bane is realizing that Batman is slow, tired, and vulnerable. Um, and the goons are uh, proposed that we, quote, crack this shell and let the nuts fly holding up a blueprint of Arkham and next issue is breakout. So we get the seeds of the very beginning of nightfall, which is going to happen uh, two pods from now. Not, not, uh, not with Batman adventure seven, but with eight is going to be the first official nightfall stuff, but we're going to get the uh, probably the breakout next issue. So I'm very excited about that. Oh yeah. Oh, I got, Oh yeah. This issue is pretty much just like the the regular issues that we yeah. were reading of Detective, which is like, it's there, it's it's fine. Jack Riddler was a treat, but like, yeah, Jim Aparo, uh, you know, doing some good art here and there. Like, I enjoyed it, but it's you know, it's serving its purpose to get us to Nightfall. And I was thinking about this reading the issue, well, reading these issues with like you know featuring kind of like Bane before he becomes the, you know. You know, the lead up to Nightfall. And I'm like, you know what? I honestly think that more than more than any other actor acting in a comic book movie, I think that Tom Hardy has proven that he actually gets it. Like he actually fucking gets it that like, oh, and you can see and he's having so much fun with it when he's when he was Bane and also the vent, the Venom movies, which are so gloriously insane. I love them both. Honestly, they're not like you know, great in the traditional sense. Oh, but, I love the, I love the, Venom uh, but there's movies. so much fun and, and the way Tom Hardy play, and you can tell he's having so much fun, like voicing Venom yeah. and being this like kind of bumbling idiot. And when he played Bane, yeah. you can tell like the, the voice he knew the voice was going to be over the top. Yeah. But it's, everyone can do it. It's, you know, everyone does some version of this Batman. Like, of course not. Like, it's so, it's so, it's so silly. I love it. I love it. I have such a, like, nostalgia for Nightfall because it was like the, really the first 
coherent Batman arc that I read that had like a wider scope when I was a kid. Mm. Yeah. That, uh, yeah. I didn't see those movies. I was like, there's no way these Batman movies are going to come close to, to the nightfall that lives in my heart, you know? So I was like, yeah, I was like, I just, I just can't, I just can't. So I just, I kind of let that one slide. Although due to cultural osmosis, I know what Bane sounds like. Plus he sounds the same in the Harlequin series, which is excellent. Yeah. I saw, oh God, I gotta get back to that. But yeah, but I do love, I, I think, and I'm just using that as an example of like, it's okay to just have fun with it. Yeah, you know, for like sure. You don't, for you, sure. Like, you don't like, like Bane doesn't have to represent some like big, like, oh, well, uh, you know, Bane's like capitalism and like, you know, Batman's okay, back okay, is right. like, you know, okay, it's okay. like uh, the <laughs> speaking of having fun with it, Shadow of the Bat 10. Like, let's run through this one because it's a it's a weird one. And it's also it's also kind of a worse batman adventures issue the batman adventures issue that we had for this one shadow of the bat 10 is kind of a worse version of it shadow of the bat 10 is written by alan grant penciled by mike collins it's a story about a castle that is built on the outskirts of gotham by a grieving widower mr uh angus macabre whose (laughs) wife died during childbirth he blames four people for that death and invites them to a dinner party years and years later. It's like 20 years later. One of those people was Thomas or Wayne. 30 years. 30 years. One of those people was Thomas Wayne. Obviously, Thomas Wayne is not attending because he is long dead. But the other three show up and Batman decides he's going to show up to make sure that everything's on the up and up because it's this whole thing is weird as hell because there's a weird Scottish castle in Gotham and... A weird dinner party invitation. And, and, so, a, and a borderline offensive way of uh, writing the Scottish guy talking. I don't know the, the oh, ethnic man. background it, of the person writing something. it, but, but oh boy. Oh boy. I'm like, it's, well, it's, it's definitely 1990s comics for sure. Basically, the guy gets, gets all the people there at the dinner party. Batman ends up, uh, he also built the castle to be this MC Escher like, you know, structure where batman can can't really navigate to the dinner party so he's getting like lost in the castle while he's getting lost in the castle he ends up fighting the son that would that was delivered during that uh tragic childbirth who is like a misshapen hyper strong mutant creature um who is also very very simple uh he's like got the mind of a child uh batman ends up fighting him at first and then becoming friends with him and then trying to get to this dinner party where he figures that Angus is going to kill everybody. What actually happens is that under the pressure that everyone's in, they end up killing each other, basically. Uh, Angus just wanted to look them in the eye and be like, you guys are total jerks. Please give me some compassion. He had no intention of killing anyone. And then it just kind of ends. What did you think of Shadow of the Bat 10? I fucking loved it. I loved it. I loved <laughs> yeah. I loved everything about it. I loved how it was even uh, anachronistic, even for the time. It was yeah. very, and the whole thing was very like Edgar Allan Poe style, like horror story. Yep. And uh, it was, it was small, but I enjoyed it. it was small because not every story has to be uh, a yes. home run. And there's Unlike- a, there's a, Unlike the Batman adventure story, which I was like, 
I want to live in this space for five issues. Shadow of the Bat 10 was like, oh, this is perfect as a single because I don't want any more of this. But I yeah, do like yeah. its single issue. Yeah, yeah, because it well, and it was it was totally like, you know, it's like a campfire story. Mm-hmm. You know, it's really simple. Hits all the beats. Beginning, middle, end has a little bit of a twist, but nothing like too shocking. And then it ends, and then it just it, it ends. And yeah, the, the and and I loved the I loved the art because the art complemented the type of story really well. You know, yes. And and even though I'm not always a fan of um, inner monologue boxes. Yeah, I did. I I did love Batman's when it's like, because you mentioned like the the castle like M C Escher and what the the line is something like, uh, this is like out of an M C Escher print or the mind of a madman. Yeah, yeah, it's it's very <laughs> hammy all the way through. Alan Grant did yeah. a great job, great job with it. Um, oh fuck yeah! I mean, I'm allergic to pork, but give me all that ham. God damn it! God damn it! <laughs> I also really appreciated that they were like. We're just going to make this Scottish like castle. I don't I don't know. It's like, yeah. And we're just going to we're just going to say it's on the outskirts of Gotham. And uh, there it is. So like in my mind, in my mind now, (laughs) it's like, okay, we have gothic Gotham and we have the bay that, you know, Riddler tried to poison. And then like over here is our, our Scottish castle, the moors of Gotham. And I'm like. I'm ready. I'm ready to explore that. Like, give me that. Give me that nugget and then give me some more. Like, I, I want some more weird, weird shit. I want like, uh, uh, you know, Sherlock Holmes crossed with Batman, like, like figuring out the like these mysteries on the moors of Gotham. You know, like, yeah, I, I yeah. want I want like that idea thrills me. Oh yeah, yeah, totally. And and you know, and it, it just made me think too. And just real quick, I'm like, you can you can also see this kind of thing being like a broader influence because like something that I always loved about one of the many things I always loved about The Simpsons was that Springfield just like it, Springfield always had whatever you needed. Oh, there's docks. Yeah, exactly. Oh, there's a lake. Oh, there's a Hollywood part of like you know just whatever whatever we need. It's just here. And I think a lot of that might have been like you know Matt Groening being the age that he is probably read comic books even older than this and that's just what you did oh he's in gotham well oh gotham has a big lake everyone goes to oh and it's by the ocean oh and it has you know it's just like it's a scottish castle (laughs) yeah exactly who cares yeah on the vague outskirts yeah just like fine you're just don't worry about it don't worry about it don't worry about it there's a lot of the way comics were made in the early 90s there's a lot of stop thinking about it it's fine don't worry about it we're oh, yeah. moving on to the next yeah. thing <laughs> yeah yeah it's, it's it's all right it's all right all right let's talk about let's talk about batman adventures issue 6 because this thing was a full knives out mystery loved it loved 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 this issue it starts with bruce wayne uh on top of a body that is seemingly murdered and the doors open and everyone rushes in and they're like Bruce Wayne. And it's, it's suspected that Bruce Wayne killed a guy and it cuts to him in the interrogation room under the lights with Bullock interrogating Bruce Wayne and then Bruce Wayne's lawyer coming in and they're all yelling at each other about like Bullock due process. (laughs) Bullock not giving a single shit about, any kind of like and i'm trying to so it's like 
Well, okay, you've been a cop, dude. Like, someone says they want their lawyer. You're not supposed to fucking talk with them. Like, what? Yeah, Bullock doesn't but, give but, a shit. But, about that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he's, yeah, yeah. He's, he gets he's results. He gets results. Yeah, he's he the worst. He's the he's the best worst cop for sure. So while everyone's yelling at each other, uh, Dick Grayson finally gets an opportunity to be like, "Hey, Bruce, what the hell happened?" You know. So Bruce, in flashback, tells of how he's going to this party and uh, he's talking business with these guys and you know they're they're chatting and he's like out on the out on the balcony and he hears a gunshot above him on the balcony above him and he decides everybody's run, rushing to the stairs inside and he's going to beat them to it by doing a 10 foot vertical leap to the next balcony and like vaulting himself in there into the the other open window um, I'm Bruce Wayne, regular human being who can do a 10 foot vertical leap. Right. Jason, I was like, I was like, is that even possible? And I, I Googled, I was like, highest vertical leap in the NBA. And it's like four feet. Like yeah. Jordan, Jordan's like four feet and like a handful of inches. And I'm like, Bruce is like deciding to like 10 feet, like almost triple what the highest vertical leap in the NBA is. Bruce would be vaulting over the basketball hoop. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, because you, you know why? Because, like, you know, he's not a fucking wimp. He's not yeah, a wimp exactly. like Michael Jordan is. He's not God, a wimp Michael, like Jordan. Michael Jordan. And Michael Jordan like, is going to take this podcast personally, by the way. <laughs> bring it on. Bring it on. He has so a he, lot more to lose than I do. <laughs> well, I'll say this about us, Jason. We are punching up. That's that's the oh, important yeah. thing. We're, oh, yeah, come, totally. we're going after the ghost of Bob Kane and Michael Jordan. <laughs> Damn right. Damn so, right. So he gets in the room. He sees that the guy uh, uh, is bleeding. It's, it's too late. He calls out for his wife. He reaches for the door and then he passes away. That's when the doors open and they flood the room with, uh, you know, everybody. And they're like, oh, Bruce Wayne did it. He's the only one here. Bruce is like, I don't know what the deal is. It kind of seemed like suicide. I don't know. Maybe you can go check it out. And Dick Grayson's like, sure. So that kicks us into act two. Dick Grayson shows up to the, to the house. He's going to like check out everything, but not before uh, we get a little bit of Bruce Wayne in jail. You want to talk about that? Oh man. Bruce Wayne just like having to pretend uh, to be just like, you know, an average dude who's scared, scared of this big, scary cellmate he's in there with. And I also right. loved the uh, the uh, the bumbling cop who just can't oh, can't so find good. the right key. He's trying to help. And then, and then he's just shaky with the gun like he's going to shoot the guy. He's going right. to shoot the. <laughs> he opens the slot to be like Bruce is like, hey, anybody like can help me in here? Like with this guy who's going to kick my ass now that we're in prison together. And the guy opens the slot. He doesn't even open the door. He opens a slot on the door and just like pokes his gun out of the slot of the door and then drops it through the slot. It's so stupid. It, it is. It, it is so very. It, it's like it's like old school, like uh, like like 50s, like era movie whodunit kind of thing you know and, yeah and like you said like knives out that's obviously like knives out was ref referential to that kind of stuff you know yeah uh but like but yeah just 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 beautiful and so like bruce has to like 
you know, take one on the chin to pretend like this guy can beat me up until there's no witnesses. Yeah. And then and then lays them out. Oh, just I do puts him say, to sleep. There's a great panel. Brad Raider uh, drew the cop like shaking with the gun. The gun falls out of his hand. It hits the floor with a clank. The the cop so the cops behind the door. There's a gun on the on the ground, and then they're in the cell behind them, so they can't get to the gun or anything. But there's this great panel of Bruce with this look on his face, like, "Are you fucking kidding me?" Like <laughs> with <laughs> the guy idiot. with the cellmate winding up behind him to like punch the shit out of Bruce, and the the cop says, "Whoops." <laughs> I was just like, "Oh my god, this is perfect." I want to live in this space. This is so good. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. And yeah, and you're right. And I even wrote in my notes that like I, I think the criticisms that I had last episode of him being like too uh, storyboard artist. Yeah, I think he's like already I think he's already fixed. You know, yeah, I he's think, I he's think already, already outgrowing it. Like everything yeah, reads yeah. is like dynamic and interesting. And he's doing some incredible spot black work over this whole thing with like the bars on the characters, yes. the shadows of the uh, bars. Yeah. yeah. So, so if, if he's going to be like most of the, the series regular, then I'm, I'm happy with the, the art then like if he can. Yeah. You know, so Bruce is wrestling with, you know, why that guy was pointing at the door and he kind of like is starting to piece together that like he was not actually pointing at the door. We go. We cut over to Dick Grayson, and they still got the chalk outline on the on the carpet from the body, even though Love like me. there's no police presence. Love me a there. chalk outline. Yeah, give, yeah. Give yeah. me a chalk outline any day. The visual. Yes, a murder happened here. Yes, but yes. We have censorship laws, and so just you know, here's here's a chalk outline. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, just just imagine a gruesome dead body. Dick Grayson's uh, over there and he's trying to put it together and he's looking at the chalk outline and he's realizing, oh, the guy's maybe not pointing at the door. He's pointing at the uh, grandfather clock on the wall. And Bruce comes to the same realization at the same time. He's like, it's not a door, the clock, a third exit. So you had the doors, you had the the, uh, balcony that Bruce popped up in, and then you have the third exit, the uh, grandfather clock. Which I think is yeah. really great because the grandfather clock traditionally an entrance to the back cave. You would think that like, yeah, you know, yeah. Bruce would yeah. like get it immediately, but he didn't. And so Dick starts. He's in there with the the guy who owns the house, and he's like, "Oh yeah, maybe it's the grandfather clock." And then Bruce puts this thing together. He puts it together. He's like, "Oh my god, if it's the grandfather clock, that means the killer is," and it's like. The owner of the house, his his old friend, millionaire businessman of the same level, but older yeah. than Bruce Wayne. So you have these uh, this great page where it's like panel one is Bruce totally in shadow, and he's like that must mean, and then it's it's panel two is like Dick Grayson opening the clock and realizing it's an exit, and you see behind him the guy with the gu- with a gun, and he's like about to clock Dick Grayson over the head. And then it's like panel three is Bruce being like the killer is. And then it's Dick Grayson getting clocked on the back of the head. And then the killer being like, what a shame because he didn't want to kill Dick Grayson. But now he has to basically. Yeah. Yeah. And that and that's such a great panel, too, when he says what a shame just from that 
from that like down angle that yeah. everything like the whole room askew but also like you know the little things of like his shirt being half untucked to show his disheveled you know like you can yeah just when you when you go uh and just like rub your hand over your whole face like yeah this, yeah yeah it, it's just it's just really really well done i really i really dug it yeah yeah just, it's just just beautifully illustrated perfectly puts you in the moment so we get to uh act three war and peace the first pan and the first panel with war and peace and then just giant lightning bolt like yeah you know, and like lighting lighting up the 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 spooky mansion where the murder happened like oh yeah classic. act one was the party's over act two was crime and punishment <laughs> and then act three was war and peace which is pretty fantastic <laughs> yeah that's that's fucking great I, I was I was wondering if they were going to keep the act structure, especially after the scarecrow issues. But uh, it looks like they're going to for now. So. I, I hope so. I hope I hope it lasts yeah. the entire run. Like because that that's just uh, it's just I don't know. It's just fun. It's just a really yeah, fun. It is super thing. fun. So we have uh, the rich millionaire uh, killer, and he's like putting on his jacket and his hat, and he's like, you know, I got to stay calm. I got to get out of here. You know, the cops will be here eventually. Like he realizes he can't get away with everything. And he opens the door to look for the uh, who would be the driver to take him to the airport. And he sees Batman just sprinting down the road at him, lightning in the background, cape like like full bellowing, just cloaked in darkness. And he's like, oh, shit. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah I love it. it's just I love how it's, just, it's just batman just like you know what fuck it i'm just gonna literally run straight into this guy like, <laughs> right he's like, ju- I, just like i am he's like a, not afraid of this millionaire idiot <laughs> yeah like like a fucking running back you know just be like yep, yeah this is gonna happen just full speed so he realizes this is happening batman's running at him you get these great couple of panels of batman running up to the house and the guy's just like Oh crap. And he shuts the door. He's like <laughs> he's like, okay, well, I guess we're gonna close this door and get out of here. I mean what I mean what 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 else are you gonna do? What else point? are you gonna do? Yeah. yeah. Batman yeah. comes uh crashing through the door, d- big double doors, breaks them both, shoulder down, like hurdle like a wrecking ball into this dude's life. He's panicked, like running up the stairs, running down the hall. Some great movement, great action, like really like like almost fish eye kind of like lenses, but he's not doing enough perspective work to make you feel like it's not working. It's just like, oh, I'm just going to draw the stairs and make them wonky, have this guy barreling up the stairs. It all works. It's all very, yeah, very good. Well, because you feel that like, it, the, yeah, the way uh, the way he drew it is very like you can. You can so easily feel the tension of the moment of like he's like mm-hmm. oh shit oh shit oh shit oh shit oh shit right and like, right right and, and it just comes all nature cl- yeah yeah like you feel, you're like oh like yeah you feel the the, the off kilterness of yeah of it it's beautifully yeah, really, beautifully illustrated uh, he yeah. gets up to the the scene of the crime as it were and Dick Grayson's there he's still alive and he is tied up to a chair. And then he realizes that that he's like, um, I'm cornered by Batman. The only thing I can do is like hold Dick Grayson hostage. And so he's like, I've got a hostage, Batman. Show yourself or he dies. Batman comes lurking 
out of the the grandfather clock. I don't know how he figured out where it went, but he did because he's Batman and he just looms into this page and he's like, it's over. Give yourself up. And and he's like, the guy is starting to like try to negotiate with Batman at this point. And he's gun to gun to gun Dick, Grayson's to Dick Grayson. Head. Yeah. And so what happened? Well, and so he, he explains like his motivation for killing the man he killed, who was a diplomat, who was a very good diplomat and like the best in the world and was about to get yet another like peace deal done. And like this guy's business was in arms. And he's like, I couldn't I was going to be ruined if it's more you know, more peace, you know, yeah. more peace. I, I, you know, I know you don't agree with it, but I would have blah, blah, blah. And, you know, so, so that's, and no one was supposed to find out and, you know, it wasn't supposed to get like the, all, all the, the standard, like, you know, murder mystery, like I'm caught now. I'll be like, Oh, I didn't mean to, but I had to. And right. You right. Know, and you then, don't and understand. Then, and then, yeah. 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 And then you have the beautiful, uh, just and I love this too because again it's, they're just showing it. They don't have to have a big backstory explaining this because you know who Dick Grayson is. He's Robin, and you just see a close up on Batman's hand, and his fingers start going down. And then once he gets down to one, so yeah, he's got he's got three fingers up, and then he's got two fingers up, and then he's got yep. one finger up, and then in that moment, mid ramble from the guy about like you don't understand. Dick Grayson decides he's going to make a move and he makes a move the same time Batman does. Uh, Dick Grayson falls to the ground in the chair. Batman just bonks the dude with a batarang in the face <laughs> and he gets laid out in the chalk outline. Yeah, I was going to say in the chalk in, in the chalk outline. I'm like, oh, it's so good. Uh, that's just I don't know. It's like it's like when you know the joke is coming. Or something like yeah. that. You know what I mean? It's like you, you're like, okay, all right, that's good. It's that's so, good. That's cute. That's it's so beautifully tied together. Like, oh yeah, I, I, Jason, I've become. I never really read anything that Kelly Puckett had done, but I think mm. I've become yeah. a Kelly Puckett fan because, like, this stuff is just scripted so tight, and it's so oh, good. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and it's so, and it's like, it's like thought out too. You know, like to yeah, not to like. God, just because I, 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 I truly don't mean to be shitting on Chuck Dixon because like there's, you know, there's a lot of people like this in any industry of like, who sure. are just like more like, uh, like they're going to get the job done. You're not going to complain about it. But then you have someone right. like Kelly Puckett who, and it's really, really hard to do too. Who's like, okay, I'm going to get the job done too. But if I, I'm going to do this like super, super well. You know, yeah, like, like I'm going to put all these flourish. I'm really thinking about like where this is going to end, how it's going to end. It's going to end in the room where the murder happened. You know, like he's he's juggling all these things. And you as a reader, he's not really telegraphing this stuff. He's not like, no, oh, we're going to end here when we come back. It's like you don't know what's going to happen. And so when you do finally end there in the room and credit to Brad Rader, by the time they get back up to the room, you know, Batman's, you know, rushing the house. The guy's rushing up the stairs. You kind of like, and Batman comes through the clock. So you understand that they're in the room, right? Yeah, Where the murder yeah. happened. But they don't show you the chalk outline until the dude gets bonked by the Batarang and goes down on the chalk outline. And you're like, oh, so good, you know? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I remember reading something recently where someone, uh, I think it was on Twitter, who was like, 
one thing to improve your your comic book um, storytelling, you know, uh, is to read at least like a couple of books on film theory because yeah there were a lot of a lot of early filmmakers were actually inspired by comic books like like Orson Welles Orson Welles like loved comic books he loved and like the yeah. stuff he was doing in like some of his movies in Citizen Kane and on were like that that is kind of that that's how people were were setting up uh, uh and telling a lot of comic stories at that time you know that actually yeah. were like you know and so uh and i think that's somewhat got lost at least in the larger like idea but but yeah that's a perfect like example of like seeding all these little things and having it like having it visual having it set there of like you yes. know the chekhov's gun thing of like i want you to pay attention to this and you're not sure where it may or may not go but like not uh babying the audience you know yes and absolutely. and 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 letting you and and even something like this where it's like written specifically for younger kids in mind you yeah. know uh but but trusting that like they'll they'll pick it up and hopefully they'll reread it too like over and over and they'll and i feel like too you know a kid might not necessarily click with it but an adult would notice all these things so it's like yeah the kid gets that batman got his guy but the adult clicks with batman got his guy and they seeded this kind of foreshadowing and it all wrapped up in the room where it like even if you don't understand every little piece it doesn't mean that like you're getting anything less out of it you know yeah well or i think i think it's a lot like um well like even like what you do professionally you know but like the example i was going to use like a like a rhythm section in a band is like yeah yeah they're like a lot of the times if they're doing their job you're not really going to notice you know because they're right. there to be like the foundation and like as like a colorist it's like you don't want to be like too flashy like sure there are times yeah. for that but you know that like i always say you'll notice bad colorists and then when you get a good colorist you won't notice them at all and then when you get yeah. a great colorist you'll start to notice them again and that's kind of like the trajectory of a colorist because you'll be like you'll have that moment where it's like Oh, Brad is it Brad Raider to his credit, like I said, uh, you know, didn't show the chalk outline until the final shot where he got where the man fell into it. And it's like, yeah, to his credit, he could have put that chalk outline in a previous panel and it would have been totally justified and it would have been fine, but it would have taken away from that last shot. So it's yeah. like, you know, he's come he's come all the way around like he's this is a master class. He understands like what where all the pieces are and how to get them to have visual impact and so like you notice it you know yeah yeah it ends up the last page with uh dick grayson being like poor crenshaw and batman being like he's a murderer dick <laughs> you know just no sympathy <laughs> and then dick is yeah. like i know he just seems so helpless and trapped and then bruce is like that reminds me and he and he goes cuts to bruce wayne back in his prison cell and he's like buttoning up his button up with the with the batman suit underneath and and bullock being like wayne we got a confession you're free to go and uh hey wait a minute how did you get into the room and then batman or bruce wayne is like ask him and it's like the dude who's knocked out in the cell with him yeah and that's how it ends yeah the uh, the end 
dude yeah what a great issue best issue on the stand by a country mile oh yeah i think i think we both agreed that like our only complaint was that it obviously had to be this short and like i could have taken like a novella like of this like a hundred yeah a hundred page issue about uh special edition of like yeah the twists are so good the characterization of the police officer with the like with the cell with the gun and the goon that Batman is in in the prison with all of that was like expertly done so fun yeah. and then yeah. like Harvey uh yeah Bullock with the lawyer in the interrogation room fuck pitch perfect it's all just like it's working so well that I'm like give me more of this I just want more of this <laughs> Yeah, like some some of my most favorite Batman stories are the ones where he's like a really good detective and just happens to be like in the bat suit, but like really yeah. unnecessarily is in the bat suit. Like he's not like you know taking bullets or anything. There's nothing like sure. Actually, you know, he's not like necessarily like jumping from buildings and having to use the grappling yeah. hook. He's just he's put, not putting the he's clues not, together. He's not fighting Jacked Riddler in this. He's fighting <laughs> yeah, like a lumpy millionaire. You know, yeah, and you know, Batman's yeah, exactly. going to win, but it's like it's still very fun and a, and like a good time. I, I agree. My favorite Batman stories are the ones where he's the smartest guy in the room. And yeah. I feel like especially the movies have a really hard time making that kind yeah. of movie. Like I would really love a Knives Out Batman story. Well, I mean, that's that's the majority of fucking of uh, Long Halloween. Yeah, you know, exactly. It's like there's there's not a whole lot of Batman like swinging fists and everything. It's yeah, figuring it's out, just piecing it together. Yeah, yeah. So good. Highly recommend. You want to hit the letters column? Hit it up. The letters were kind of weak this month. Um, a lot of praise for the issues and people looking for information on both the uh, Kenner toy line and the tops card set that are going to be coming out. Yeah, I was going to mention that and and you being the uh the the recovering toy addict uh between the two of us. Oh, Jack, I'm like, "Oh, Jack Riddler. That's right. They probably just did that to have an extra toy to sell." There was no Jack Riddler toy. <laughs> what a bunch as of cowards. As far as I know. What a bunch, what a bunch, of, bunch cowards. of cowards. They should have just repainted a Bane figure and put a Riddler head on it. That, exactly. That's the thing. Uh Come on. Yeah, I I actually I still have um, in a in a box because I have nowhere to put them all my Batman the animated action figures from the Kenner line that originally came out all still on their their backboard and everything like all sealed up. Oh yeah, you still got your Max toy. Yeah, it's pretty much it's pretty much the only one that I've kept. Like I was like, yeah, anytime it gets shoved into a corner and collect, like actually I should clean it off. I'm like, why am I keeping this? I'm just like. I'm not throwing this away. This thing's amazing. Yeah, right, yeah, right, I'm not, right. I'm not, I'm not even going to give it away. I'll give it away to my one of my nephews when I die if they want yeah. it. I, I had <laughs> bought uh, a lot of McFarlane toys in, in the late 90s and stuff, and, and I never really kept any of that stuff, but I still have all the boxed Batman the Animated toys because I'm like, eventually, I will live in a place where I can put these up in some space and they'll look really cool. Yeah. However... In the letters, they're talking about the toy line on the Topps card set. Uh, next issue apparently comes polybagged with a free Topps card. 
Uh, I do not have that tops card. I don't have the polybagged issue. I just have the regular issue. They used to do that kind of stuff in the 90s. Uh, the Shadow of the Bat issue one came with like two Steel Freeze posters, a blueprint of Arkham Asylum, like all this like cool extra stuff. Uh, I have that. I actually just bought that on eBay because I was like, man, Shadow of the Bat's actually real cool. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know if this was the same run of cards or not, because I can't quite remember the year. I was like 13, I think. And I went to a small comic book convention in Hartford because like I saw a flyer for it in Sarge's. And I remember my mom bringing me and a friend. But anyway, I remember buying a pack of Batman cards. And yeah. I, I, I only got one pack. And I got and like immediately sold because it was like already worth $100. This card really rare card that had a, a hologram on it. But it was also like there was the card and then there was like the circle was a hologram yeah. and it was like you were looking at Batman kind of like from above but in 3D. Oh, neat. and it was super cool. But like I like I'm like oh wow it's really cool. And someone told me right away they're like oh shit you got that in just one pack. I'm like yeah and they're like oh you can get a lot you should look up the price you can get a lot of money for that. It's like that's like one in every like you know ten thousand or something like that like whatever Whoa. I don't know how rare yeah, yeah, works yeah. but. I just remember I didn't keep it for very long. I got like a case for it and I yeah. held on to it for like a month. And then I was like, time to cash out. Yeah, I'd rather have whatever comic books this money from this card yeah, is going right, to buy me right, than, right. than hold out for more or less money. But I wonder how much that card is now. It's probably like crazy cheap. Yeah, yeah I'm going to have to I'm going to have to wade through some some searches to find the right year and the right line. The 90s were uh not only a boom for comic sales but also a boom for card sales uh were like bonkers out of control uh we didn't we didn't talk about it but at the time to put people in the into the right headspace uh in one of the batman issues he's actually wearing one of the the superman armbands for when the I death picked, of superman happened i picked up so on this that is, yeah yeah, yeah. So this is right around the death of Superman, which like people like news stories were running about like people lining up around the blocks to pick up. Oh, death front of page Superman. of the New York Times. Yeah. Yeah. Like, literally yes. front page of national newspapers that they're like killing off this fictional character. This yeah, beloved, so, beloved, like, yeah. And people were interviewed on the on the news and they would say, you know, I picked up three copies so that I, you know, I have one for myself and then I can retire. My kids can retire on these or they'll send my kids to college or whatever. And they didn't realize that, you know, DC sold like a million of these and they are everywhere yeah. and, and the cheapest things on the planet right now. Well, yeah, because the entire reason why like action comics, number one or detective 27 became so valuable was because they, most of them were fucking thrown away. Right. Yeah, you know? exactly. Like they, they weren't buying it and then poly bagging it and then getting a, a CGG grade and then, you know, like yeah, right, locking right. it away in an airtight container. Like, yeah. But yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, letters column. Letters column. Uh, in order to drum up interest into the um, letters column and to receive more letters, Scott has initiated a thing where he is getting the best two letters out of every letter column is going to get uh, some Batman sketches in the mail by whatever the current artist is on Batman Adventures. So, oh, damn. yeah, I he's still running like, that. 
<laughs> I, I wonder if I can write to him personally now. Now, yeah. be like, hey, if you be like, hey, please, hey, if you think this I would love a Batman great. sketch. Can Fuck I get yeah. a Ty Templeton, please? Can you just send yeah. one over? Uh, yeah, just, yeah. However, this is issue six. People are writing in about the Catwoman issue, which is issue two. So there's about a four month window in there. So I think that he is incentivizing the letter column to be a little better, um, a little get just to get more letters in general. Uh, we probably won't see the uptick until issue 10. So hopefully the letters column will get like a little meatier around then. We'll see. Yeah, sure. I, I just don't know what you mean by meteor. A meteor I mean, just column. like just like this letters column is was basically just people writing in and being like, hey, I liked the issue. And like, that's it. You know, it's like it, yeah, nice to hear. But yeah, not entertaining to yeah, read. Nice to hear. Yeah. Not necessarily entertaining to read. Nobody had any hot takes on anything or nobody had like any weird stories or, you know, it was just like, oh, this was yeah, nice. Yeah. But it's like. You know, I don't know what to do with this as far as like commentary or whatever. So I'm hoping for a little yeah. more, hoping for a little more meat, Jason. So we'll well, we'll look forward to issue ten and see if uh, the incentive has worked. Well, well, if it doesn't work, I'll just like make up my own. Uh, we can have it as segment as uh, I'll make up my own ridiculous hot takes <laughs> about like and 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 to make it even harder on myself, I'll, I'll come up with a ridiculous hot take about Batman Adventures, but. I'll set rules that are like, I can't just go like offensive or something, right? You know, like I have to keep mm. it still family friendly. I have to come up with a family friendly, but still bonkers hot take. I, I will say that in the letters column, somebody uh, did write in and ask what it takes to be an Uncle Elvis. Do you know, do you know what that means, by the way? No idea. None whatsoever. So, Uncle Elvis was a prolific writer into uh, DC Comics and Marvel Comics at the time. Basically wrote into every single title. And somebody asks in this letters column, like, how do I become an Uncle Elvis? And Scott was like, basically, just write. He's like, just write in. He's like, there's no... The reason that we pick a lot of Uncle Elvis's letters was because the letters are good and the letters are short. So they fit in the letters column really well. If you write pages and pages, yeah. like we can't really print it. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. And it that, would take time that, to cut it down if we were. Yeah. Yeah. So that little that little bit was I thought was kind of interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Scott Peterson, the editor, writes a little bit about the next issue that's coming up. Uh, Brad Raider leaves to go back onto the show. but He'll be back in a few months. Mike Parobeck is going to be doing the sketches that are going to be rewards. He's also going to be uh, in the next couple of issues. Uh, he, he's the one for um, Batman Adventures number seven. Here's the stinger for the preview for uh, Batman, numbers, uh, Batman Adventures number seven. Batman and Killer Croc star in Raging Lizard. And as a special bonus, with all you lo loyal and lovable fans, it's going to be a serious polybagged. Uh, issue with a free Batman the Animated Series trading card from Tops. That's right, a free trading card at the same low price as normal. Do we watch out for you guys or what? See you soon, Scott Peterson. So that's gonna be the next one. I I think it's like a, a wrestling thing with Killer Croc. I don't know. I'm excited to get into it. 
I, I am too. Also, I, I will forever love um, any editor writing, uh, responding in a letters column, just totally channeling their inner Stan Lee, who's like, oh, yeah, you know, Scott like, is like, like having a lot of fun with it. Yeah, yeah, like read it, like like Stanley with the no prize and like being like sarcastic as hell, like it just, yeah, you know, yeah. just like half screwing with people whenever he would answer letters and letter columns and shit. Like that's just right. Uh, such a great kind of, uh, I think we mentioned like in the first episode, just sort of like sort of like fan reaction that like you don't really get anymore because the internet, you know, it's like, it's incredibly incredibly wholesome. It, it feels yeah. it feels good to read these letter columns for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You want to hit the two read pile? Let's hit it up. I read uh, Cosmic Detective. Have you have you Ooh. read that yet? Not yet, not yet. It's uh, it's definitely. I I, I told you when I when I had uh, finally got it in the mail. And whenever I uh, kickstart uh, back uh, books, like I don't, yeah. you know, it's just like it gets to me when it gets to me. Like I, I really, I truly, truly, truly do not care how long it takes because I know how labor intensive it can be. And man, just I haven't read it yet. But like when I opened it up and I looked at like just the quality of like the hardcover and like the gold, <laughs> the gold lining the pages. I'm just like, yeah, no yeah. shit. It took this long. Jesus, it's impressive that it only took so this, that long. Yeah. So this was a Kickstarter from uh Jeff Lemire, uh, Matt Kind, and uh, David Rubin. It is a, a very quick read. Uh, I'm going to sell you on it right now, Jason, so it's going to be the next thing you read. It is a detective story about a guy who basically looks into... He's part of this agency that looks into these acts of gods that are on the planet. Um, it is... I'm fucking sold already. It is, like, so Kirby-esque... And like such a love letter to like that kind of like art style and and that DNA, it's like all over this book. But it's still very much David's work as well. I really loved it. David's work has an ability that like makes me conscious of my teeth. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's very weird. I don't know what it is. It's like I feel like his the way he colors covers some of the art and obscures it in ways like choices that I would not make in my wildest dreams. And because of that, it makes me conscious of my teeth and I feel like a little uncomfortable sometimes. Um, but it's still really beautiful. Uh, I noticed that, I don't know if you've read any Kirby recently, but like I read Commandi a few years ago and I was taking a special note because I know that Kirby is prolific like he did pages and pages and pages and pages of work like far yeah, more quick. like it, his output far exceeds any comic artist living today as far as like oh, yeah, monthly yeah. pages put out well, and well he was so fast he was just so fast like well and he so worked I was all like, the time <laughs> and he worked all the time so i was i was trying to figure out like okay like how is kirby this fast and i noticed that he was like he'd draw like a, ri a ridiculous human being these organic shapes and then he would like kind of just fudge the perspective because he knew that like you're not going to be looking at it you know so it would be like flat background and then like a wedge for a street 
and like he wouldn't map any of the perspective at all but it like had a man being like incinerated by a laser blast fired by a monkey and you were just like oh i don't care about the perspective like this shit rips yeah you know (laughs) yeah yeah exactly it's like it's like the uh I think the term for it might be like maximalist, you know, which can be yeah. really hard to like pull off well because like there's yeah. so much you have to handle. And, and Cur- a lot of Kirby is definitely like that. A lot of that craft is in uh, Cosmic Detective as well. Like you see that same kind of like, oh, it's wonky angles. It's it's like, you know, a fly by night perspective. But like you kind of don't care because it's so weird and so fun. And you're just like, whatever, I'm, I'm in. I'm in. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I it was very fun. I my only complaints with it were that uh it kind of set up a book two and like this took so long from kickstart to to ship that I was like are we ever going to get a book two? Like is the story over? I it, I that that kind of yeah. stuff kind of I was like I wanted a complete thing with like a a, a last like punctuation point on it. Didn't necessarily get that. Uh, The other thing was, and I don't know if this was like a conscious choice of David Rubens, but like the city feels very empty. Like a lot Mm, of the population seems missing. And I don't know if that was a conscious choice of like these gods came to earth and like this is the effect of that. Or if this is just David being like, I don't want to draw these fucking cars. You know, <laughs> like, listen, I'm not Jeff Darrow. Okay. Go yeah, read, yeah. Yeah. Go, go read <laughs> a, a Shaolin cowboy. If you yeah. want that insane shit, I'm only going to be like, I'm going to be 75% as insane as Jeff Darrow, which I think is yeah, already right, way, right, right. way more. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So I, I, I don't know if this was a conscious, like, decision making from the perspective of building the world or if this was just like he's just drawing what he wants to draw i'm not sure so it's not like and it it really isn't anything that really gets in the way of the story like it's still very very good um but yeah i can't recommend cosmic detective enough hell yeah that 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 will that will kind of move to the top of my my two read pile you reading anything anything other than batman well i finished uh i finished uh the book tour by andy watson and, oh, nice. And holy shit, I loved it. And also, it like serendipitously kind of fits in with like our two favorites of of the Bat books this week where because the story uh, centers around this author who's going on a book tour. But it's so surreal because like any any time he interacts with the world with someone else in it, he's just suffers some humiliation or some just nothing is going his way right and he's constantly confused because it the way Andy Watson wrote it and i think this is like this is obviously intentional it always seems like the main character is having a different conversation than he's having with the other characters and the other characters are just <laughs> completely oblivious to anything he's saying and they're just always they they're just talking about their thing and yeah. just sort of like think that they know what he's talking about. They're just assuming what he's talking about or just completely ignoring it outright. And it's so uh, it's just so well done. Like Andy Watson is so underrated. This is such an underrated book. It's so like it's almost Kafka-esque and it's just 
the art is is this beautiful like sort of scratchy like french or more european style uh that's yeah you can like you know the kind where you can kind of feel the like sure. in my head i can i can kind of feel or hear the the, the quill scratching down the bristol board yeah yeah you know like that and and andy washington's just been doing it for so long and he's obviously like it's just so locked in and uh I can't recommend it enough. It's, it's published by Top Shelf, uh, the book tour. It came out like three or four years ago, I think, at this point. Uh, mm-hmm. But I, I really do highly recommend it. I really wish that it would have gotten a, a lot more attention than it did get, at least over in the States. I think it won some awards or was nominated for some awards in uh, Agaloom. In Agaloom yeah. in France, they have a uh, yearly uh, comic book festival. So it's gotten like yeah attention over there. I'm not sure how much, but definitely not talked about enough over here like cool so yeah hi- highly recommend the book tour by andy watson published by top shelf i i feel like uh i'm gonna devour some andy watson stuff i i feel like it's been coming across my twitter feed lately and then with your recommendation on top of that i'm like i'm just gonna i'm just gonna get like six or seven books and just be andy watson for like you know uh, four months you know <laughs> Yeah, it made me it made me want to revisit his old uh, stuff that Slave Labor Graphics, at least over in the states, uh, published yeah. it, like uh, the Skeleton Key and like even for like indie comics at the time, it was just such a odd kind of style and and this mm-hmm. style that uh, that he's developed into is just so so different, so like night and day from yeah you know. But you can also kind of see the arc of it because there was a. Uh, there was a book he did with Oni that I remember buying the issues of it when it was coming out. I forget I forget the titles of him where he he kind of gets even well kind of closer to the style that he has now. But I don't know if he's ever locked into it. But yeah, everyone check out some uh, check out some Andy Watson. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for listening. If you made it this far through, through the rants and the ramblings, <laughs> hope, hope, hope everyone made it. If you made it, I definitely like owe you some money or something. I think, you know, I think you owe guy. me money for editing this podcast. Yeah. This two oh, totally. hours that we have recorded down to like an hour and a half. <laughs> yeah. You're going to have to in- invoice me, invoice me. You know, I'm not good for it, but invoice me anyway. Uh, if people want to get in touch with you, where can they do that? Uh, up on Twitter. I'm at King of black acid. And uh, I'm at Nick Phil, but we also have a Twitter handle for the podcast called World's Second Finest with a two, two ND, World's Two ND Finest. Also, we're uh, starting to come up. I think we have three podcasts that are up now live on basically every single platform. Uh, You know, we don't pay to advertise the show or anything. So if you like what you hear, not only subscribe, but like leave a, leave some stars, leave some comments, you know, uh, it really does help spread the word of the show. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Thank you.